0: All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. Today, I want to take time to get into a concept that we use in military organizations, and it's a concept called good order and discipline. And as I've mentioned on other episodes, words matter. And good order and discipline is one of those phrases I think we throw around a lot, and perhaps we overuse or misuse it. And it's important to really take time to pause and reflect on what it means. So good could be defined as to be desired or approved of. Order is the natural or decided arrangement of people and resources in relation to each other, and discipline is an individual or group's willing adherence to the set of rules and standards that regulate conduct and order. As we know, good order and discipline are indispensable to military organizations, and one of the most crucial functions we have as leaders and managers is to help maintain good order and discipline in our teams and organizations. So many of us have heard of it, but again, I think it's important to take time today to pause and reflect on how well you and your organization are developing and maintaining it. So joining me today to pick this topic apart a bit is a friend of mine, Larry Linton. Larry spent most of his career in the submarine force, serving as a yeoman, and then advanced his way in the executive leadership positions, such as chief of the boat and command mass chief. And Larry and I met when we served as facilitators on the fleet CPO training team. And since retiring, we've stayed in touch. Larry is now a leadership and management consultant, and I'm glad we've had time to reconnect and do this episode together. So Larry... Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. What have you been up to lately?
1: Like you mentioned, I'm running my own consulting. I'm working as a subcontractor for a global uh, leadership consulting group, primarily in the oil and gas industry, but we've been branching out into law enforcement, healthcare, aviation. So it, it's been exciting to stay in the same field, you know, leadership and how it matters and what kind of results it can produce, especially along the topic of today's podcast, Good Order and Discipline, and how it translates into different terms or different phrases into the civilian communities. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, it was uh, when this topic came up, it's one I wanted to do a while. I threw it back to you several months ago, and then finally we had time to kind of put it together. I worked through some communication topics and stuff first. So, And I'm telling you, when we were on the Fleet CPO training team, this is one of the key subtopics we built a whole, I think, about 40-minute discussion on. And frankly, until that point, I hadn't even really stopped to think about what good order and discipline really, really meant, what its application was, how to use it, how to develop it, and how to know it was there or not. So I even found our time on Fleet CPO training team very insightful and useful in this area. So like I mentioned, three key words, simple words, we think, good, order, and discipline. I defined those up in the introduction. But from Larry's perspective, why does good order and discipline matter? And talk about how this concept is used in the civilian sector. Is it a similar concept, and just called something else. Let's get into your five thousand foot view on good order and discipline.
1: Good order and discipline, like you defined it, most people are familiar with the terms of good. It's a uh, you know the opposite of bad. Order is the opposite of disorder. But most people come into the uh, concept of discipline from what they learned as a child, right? Discipline means something. Bad is going to happen to you for your bad behavior. But when discipline really is, is just strictly adhering to the set of principles or rules or regulations or functions in order to maintain the good in the order. So discipline is not supposed to be punishment. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Is everybody thinks discipline is something bad? Okay. Discipline can be something as simple as I have the discipline on myself. You know, I'm retired and I'm old. I'm in my 50s now. Discipline and waking up every day and still maintaining physical fitness. That's discipline. Getting away, I think most people in a leadership position, when they hear they discipline, we got to maintain a discipline. They've got to make sure the people around them, their team, discipline does not mean something adverse for bad behavior. Discipline okay. is just
0: stick-to-itiveness. Okay. And we'll uh, yeah we're gonna pick one of these apart individually as we go. But this is something we use in military careers. You hear it a lot, right? Oh, it's a lack of good order and discipline. Oh, this are, you can attribute anything to lack of good order and discipline. Uh, I think it's important again to when you start to attribute those things, is it really that? And often we start to look at others at a lack of their order and discipline when it may be a lack of organizational good order and discipline, because, you know, this is not just an individual thing. This is an organizational concept as well. So what is the similar concept in the civilian sector?
1: There's many different ones that I've encountered. The current ones I'm working with right now are the, the phraseology that would most closely match up with is operational excellence or safe to work. Most of them all have a concept that's called stop the job or stop the job criteria, meaning People on the team have to maintain enough discipline in the task that when they understand that something is going wrong, everybody has the responsibility. In fact, everybody has the authority from the the youngest individual performing the function or task to the the supervisory element. Everybody in there has the authority and responsibility to stop the task when they recognize something's going wrong. And that that maintains their operational excellence or safe to work or safe for life. It takes discipline to keep people from getting killed.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. So I think it comes down to, I think this is more, frankly, a management concept. I mean, there's leadership that comes into it, especially when you get into the implementing of discipline. But I think it comes down to getting effectiveness and efficiency in your organization, right? You want to be prepared. You want to prevent negative outcomes. And I think those are management objectives. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes, yeah, so it takes management to put the, the controls in place that mitigate risk. So they have to find what areas of the task or what areas of the project or what areas of whatever's going on. They have to put in the controls, and that's a definitely a management function, because those are administrative items mostly. Controls that mitigate risk. Yeah, discipline in that sense is definitely a management function by placing those controls in place and educating and training the team on to hey these these are the things that can go bad. These are the things we put in place to keep those things from going bad.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's start with uh, good. Like like I mentioned, it sounds like we we think we know good. Good is the opposite of bad, but it's also very subjective. So, what sets the standard for good in organizations? Policies,
1: training, good examples, good mentorship, giving the you know the right example of how to do things the correct way or the good way, not the bad way. I think that's the primary, the big drivers of good. Okay. Is policies and procedures that are you know written in place.
0: Yes, and I think we call those standards. Good is like, right a, to the standard that is defined. Um, I did an episode on standards, so if you want to get into standards more, check that episode out. But that'll really dive in. Coming into this, you got to have a sense of what good is, and we're going to align good to what I would call the standard. So let's get into the order piece. How does order help ensure preparedness for units to promptly achieve mission or to have more fighting success? And what things should leaders, managers have ordered? That's a number
1: of things. You can even go think of that in the logistics sense. People have to order the right tools, the right equipment to maintain the order. You have to have the training on what the right order looks like. It, it's a It's a such a small word, you know, a little five letter word, but it encompasses so much.
0: Yeah. So the things I think we saw the most, to your point, several things I thought we saw were ordered or structured. You know, let's talk about communication. So at a unit or at a command or at an organization, you want your communication ordered. Like, hey, there's a drumbeat. You know who talks about what. You know where to find information where you need to get it. And in the military, you know, we had ordered forms of communication from our stand up meetings. All the way to how we delivered the plan of the week or plan of the day. And then to your point, resources were often ordered right there in a place to where when I need them, I don't have to search all over the place to find them. Especially when you get into damage control stuff. What was your experience with seeing things order, especially on a submarine? We'll go
1: into that damage control stuff. There is that old saying everybody on a submarine is a D seaman, right? Because everybody has to understand where the prop where the equipment to Combat any casualty is there's the responsibility for the maintenance on that equipment, there's a responsibility for all hands for the maintenance on the equipment, the care of the equipment, the storage of the equipment. For all hands are responsible for the order of damage control from you know, from the commanding officer all the way down to the newest reported on seaman. that's just a messenger of the watch, it's responsible for cleaning and taking messages all over the ship. Everybody's understands where each piece of damage control equipment is, how it works, how it functions, and the proper maintenance of it. And if that order is not maintained,
0: bad things happen. Or you can't promptly respond when you need the things that you need, right? Especially in a crisis situation. People have to be ordered too. So what's what's your experience here with how we quote-unquote order people? And I'm not talking given orders, but how do we organize? That's what I would think. How do we organize our people to get efficiency and effectiveness?
1: Well, that starts in basic training, right, when you're getting everybody on the same page, getting them uh, socialized to the organization that they are a part of so they all are thinking along the same lines or they all are trained to respond the same way. It's part of that socialization process into every organization. I've seen it in the oil and gas industry a lot where the deckhand or the tool pushers, everybody has a function and everybody is trained to that function. And it starts at the first entrance into that organization.
0: So ultimately, it's like order could be people and things are where they need to be, when they need to be. Would you agree with that? Right. Absolutely. Um, Think about this in management terms, right? Efficiency and effectiveness, right? You don't want to waste your precious time because time is a resource and you order your time, frankly, as well. But it all comes together when you do those things. So. We facilitate Fleet CPO training team. We would run through this drill with them. What would you look for? What are some of the visuals or the things you would hear or see people do to give you a sense that there is good order at your organization?
1: Well, uh, like you mentioned earlier, communication. You can walk up and down any pier on any naval base on the planet, and you can hear how the ship communicates, especially on the 1MCs. that can't be heard by ships in the vicinity or anybody walking along the pier, if those communications are bad, you can tell that other things are falling by the wayside, too. Because if the order isn't maintained in the small things, it is definitely not maintained in the big things. And then cleanliness. People talk about cleanliness, and especially, I, you know, I was a junior sailor, too, more than three decades ago, right? And we all complain about why we got to clean again. Well, nobody takes into consideration that that's a safety thing. We gotta keep this ship clean so there's no missile hazards because the ultimate it's not the goal but the responsibility of every war fighting unit in the in the Navy is that they're gonna possibly one day be in combat. And so they have to mitigate all those risks by extraneous loose items not being a hazard to the sailors on the ship so they can continue to fight the ship. So cleanliness is order. Communication is order. And it's all put into place to maintain the effectiveness of whatever that unit's main mission is.
0: Isn't it an aesthetic thing, right? Do you just see it or can you feel it? Because I think there is an aesthetic approach to it, right? There's some things you see, you know something is clean by just looking at it, or you know things, resources are organized, right? If I go into a supply locker or in the aviation community, all the tool control programs, those tools are ordered and they are controlled in an orderly way. Is it an aesthetic thing or what other things can leaders or managers use to help pulse on order? Well, of course, I mean, the
1: aesthetic is going to be the first thing that grabs most people's eyes,
0: but the order of how the individuals
1: present themselves is definitely an indication, respect, how they communicate, how they wear whatever attire they're supposed to be wearing. You know, I I'm primarily consulting in the oil and gas business, so you PPE is one of the biggest things out there. You can tell uh, what individual does maintain their PPE properly and what individuals don't. You could just determine the level of supervisory involvement by the youngest hand out there's care of their own PPE. That's a good indication of a lack of order by uh, individuals and their supervisors.
0: Yeah, so things I would say when you pulse, too, is most military organizations, at least on ships, stand up with some kind of morning meetings, and then what we would call quarters, right? Where you muster your divisions today and you get down to the business of the day, how well that comes together, right? So we know the time those things happen, but do you get a sense that people are on station when they need to be attentive and listening? Do those things get executed in a smart fashion? Or do, you know, when you go around and walk and see that, are different divisions coming at different times? Do meetings start on time? I think that's a good pulse. And then again, as you walk around, just how things are organized, are things where they need to be, are things stowed properly, is cleanliness there? Uh, I think those are all things that leaders and managers can look around. Uh, and then frankly, this is why we do inspections too, to determine the level of order to the standard per se. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where I'm consulting now, the oil and gas, they have these things they call pre-tower or pre-tour and post-tour briefs and the toolbox talks or tailgate talks prior to the execution of any major evolution. And you can definitely get a sense of how well that evolution is going to be performed by the level of involvement and attentiveness at those. They happen multiple times throughout the day during uh, evolutions in the industry I'm consulting in now. But definitely the, the effectiveness of the whatever task or evolution is going to go on can be determined at the outset at the pre-tower talk or the pre-tour.
0: Yeah, and again, I think it comes to, as you work through that management process, and I've done episodes on that, right? As you go through planning, organizing, directing, and controlling, right? There's order to that process as well. So, again, I think the big thing you wake up and you think when you come to work are people and things where they need to be, when they need to be to deliver the results you're looking at. All right, let's move on to the discipline piece. Is discipline a noun, or is discipline a verb, or is it both? And what's the importance uh, of discipline? as a manager and a leader in an organization well
1: discipline is, is both a noun and a verb it's a thing person place or thing a uh, discipline is a thing in how well an individual performs based upon their discipline or it could be an adjective right so discipline like i said in the in the outset uh, most people have the wrong concept of it i don't know if that's a What that's a function of, because everybody comes into their adult life thinking discipline is going to be, I'm going to be disciplined for this. Yeah. But again, discipline is a a stick-to-itiveness in my mind. If you have a routine, it's how well you stick to a routine. In in the education world, in college and bachelor, master's and doctorate, it's a, a discipline is whatever you are studying. My discipline is going to, in my master's program, is in the leadership part of business. So. Disciplines are noun, adjective, verb, and it's it's a management function to make sure that everybody is educated on what discipline means truly. Take away the negative connotation of it.
0: Like I mentioned on the onset, it's really that individual or group's willing adherence to the rules and standard that regulate the conduct and the order, right? So again, the adherence to the standard. So ideally, it's this willing adherence, which I think we would call self-discipline, right? I don't need to be told, I understand how things are supposed to be. I know where and when I need to be. I understand the standards of performance or of maintenance or of operations. And that takes time, right? And we start with two concepts. There's positive discipline and there's negative discipline. And we always start with positive. And to your earlier point, I think far too often people they've heard this kind of discipline associated with punishment, which is the kind of thing I want people to really stop and think about. So Ideally, we're trying to get people to have self-discipline to execute on their own, right? The maturity and willingness that comes along with that. But we initially have to help people establish that discipline. And as an organization or a leader, we start with tools of positive discipline. So what are some of those tools of positive discipline we use? And what are some of the real world examples you have used in your career? Positive
1: discipline is anything that you can do to reinforce the good behavior or the proven Adherence to the standards, right? You have that reward power base, right? You could slap a coin on a young sailor, you could give them a pat on the back. You know, liberty's used as a reward type behavior for maintaining good discipline. You know, and I used to talk to this all the time when I was the facilitator on the team. What happens to human behavior when you reward it? You get more of it. If you don't reward that good behavior, it's you you've plateaued that you either plateaued that behavior or you've contributed to the the degradation of that good behavior. So people don't want to adhere to the standards because they don't they don't see anything in it for the you know, the whiff them. What's in it for me if I'm just gonna to continue to follow the rules strictly and nothing else happens and most attention is paid to the people that are not doing so, what's in it for me has a lot to do with maintaining positive discipline, because every every human being likes to get a good pat on the back and a job well done. So, the best thing that anybody from the juniorist supervisory level to seniorist or and management level is you you positively reinforce the good disciplines, people okay. maintaining that strict adherence.
0: All right. Yeah, I think it starts. I go back to. Back to the standard, right? So if I want to get good, I got to get people trained and educated first up to good, right? So I think it starts with training and education functions, right? So as a leader or manager, positive discipline tools start with the investments you make with training and educating your people to the standards and the way things need to be done, right? And that gets to things as simple as where they need to be, when they need to be. And how they look when they're there and how they do things when they're where they need to be. I think it comes down to other things like we've talked about in the episodes on situational leadership. This is coaching, right? Coaching is a form of positive discipline. Being a good role model is a form of positive discipline and a tool that you have. And then, you know, just simply leading in a good way, in a positive way to teach people the standards. And then to your point, to come behind when they meet or exceed those standards with those tools of reinforcement that you find with reward, power, and other things. So when those things don't work for whatever reason, right? Not every, you know, this is the challenge of situational leadership as we've all come to learn, right? Some of your targets are not compliant. They don't come to those standards or they are incapable of wanting to exceed them or at least meet the minimum standard of good, quote unquote. Then we start to see resistant targets and then we have to shift to different influence tactics. And this is when we start to shift into more what we would call negative discipline approaches. And that doesn't mean immediately go to punishment. So there's this progressive approach to it. So I think, Larry, it starts with performance feedback, right? And I'm not talking the coaching stuff. I'm talking, hey, I've tried coaching. I've tried mentoring. I've sat you down and trained and educated. And for some reason, that stuff isn't taking. What's your advice on how to use these progressive tools of negative discipline? That can always be
1: sticky. (laughs) It it depends on the uh, the individual that you're... Did you have to go? If, if there is a willingness, but uh, an inability based upon multiple factors to get it, uh, what type of approach do you get? Or there's the individual that's outright hostile to any type of positive discipline. Then uh, that progression can be gradual for the ones that just need the extra help that are willing, but unable. And then there's uh, the people that you, you need to start at, the, at a higher level of negative discipline that are unwilling. But able, this is the, uh, the ultimate test of true leadership is you have to know the individual that you're going to be doing this discipline on and all their ins and outs. You have to be able to know them if they're what end of the spectrum they are on. Willing but unable or unable but willing. So there's a wide spectrum of the, the training and the coaching and the, the leadership that you have to apply to the people throughout
0: that spectrum.
1: And it it varies based upon the leader's personal insight into that individual.
0: Yes. And that's the importance of knowing your people and, and having time to understand them. So again, you start with training, education. If you see shortfalls in behavior, you continue with those tools of coaching and performance feedback. And then to your point, if you see a, if it's a competence issue, right, then you take that approach with tools. Believe it or not, we talk about, you know, extra military instruction and people see that as punishment, but it's really a form of positive discipline, Right.
1: Absolutely, it's enhanced training is really what it is to try to fill in those gaps that young individual or it could be old, any individual has that to accomplish the task. There probably are gaps, and that EMI or extra military instruction is to help that sailor or that individual fill the gap in their either lack of knowledge or their commitment to whatever you're doing.
0: And then at some point, you just might realize, hey, your people don't have the competence or capability or the knowledge, skills, and abilities to perform. Sometimes you can fix that. Sometimes you can. And this is where you may either have to reassign them to something new or, in the worst case, move them on off the team.
1: Terminate their employment. Yes.
0: But if you get into the attitude side and you make the assessment that the attitude is the thing, that's when you're going to move into the more, we're going to lean in heavily with influence tactics. We're going to start using more coercive-based tactics, impact a career impact of personal time, right? Knowing your people and the things they desire and want and don't want taken away, you can start to use those things when you see that the attitude is off and you start to shift to those. And then ultimately for those highly resistant people that just don't want to come along, that's when you're going to ultimately shift to the punishment tools that usually reside in leaders above you who have the authority. And in military circles, as we know, you know, usually the commanding officer is the one who has the ultimate authority to take your pay away, restrict you to the ship reduce you in rank and rate or do those things. Or in the worst case, you get in the legal stuff, then you're in the court system and the punishment they can impose. So all right, so you walk on a boat or a ship or into an organization, you know, and you're a new leader or manager, what are you looking for, right? It's it's always great to join a team that has good levels of good order and discipline, but what about an organization where it's lacking it? You walk around and you see that people aren't where they need to be on time. Communication doesn't Flow well. Tasks are not getting completed on time or to standard routinely, right? Because things happen, and but when things routinely don't get done, um, you walk on the place is a mess. It's disorganized. What's your advice to listeners on how they can start to build that good order and discipline? And any personal stories you can relate on how to get order and discipline established? That's happened to me. Okay,
1: <laughs> you know, I came from when I went from the submarine force to the uh, surface navy. There's definitely a a difference in cultures and you have to get at the the root cause of why the culture is the way it is you got to find out the why because everybody wants the why even leadership needs the why things happen so you have to understand the why things are the way they are and that may take a a few minute conversation that may take a weeks of investigating and diving deeper into it You can make the same mistake I did, go high and right on the, you know, your first instance of this, this culture is bad and I'm going to instantly fix it right now. And most people understand the uh, nautical terms. You can't do a wild course change on a ship without heaving a lot of stuff over to get the ship on course smoothly takes small rudder adjustments. So you have to find out what's wrong, find out. Or investigate the best ways to fix it because if you go high and right, you're you're going to lose credibility or people will get that. You know, Everybody says the first impression is the, the only impression you're really going to make. So yeah. if you go in there as the hot-tempered, I'm going to fix everything, it's all on my shoulders right away, A, A you're going to burn yourself out. B, you're going to alienate all your people.
0: There's like an immediate assumption there on your part that they are the problem, right? I'm the one who knows what's right. You guys are obviously the problem, and that attitude, I think, sets you up to come in and take those approaches when the right attitude, I think, initially is to come in and just walk around, look, and listen to what people have to say and what they're doing and find the structural processes that are off or where communication is lacking and shift away from that blame-the-worker kind of mentality. Is that is that what you see, too? Absolutely,
1: because uh, you have to figure out who, whose culture is – the incorrect one or the what culture is appropriate to have in whatever community or environment you're in. Because I can tell you this, I, you know, I learned it late into my uh, senior enlisted tours and, and uh, it's still reinforced today. Culture will eat your strategy every day for lunch. If you don't understand the culture, you will never solve the problem.
0: Yeah, I think there's, again, back to that attitude, the leader-manager attitude, when you come to work, What is your attitude to your people, your team, your organization, especially when you walk into one where clearly the standards are not met and there's a lack of order and discipline that underlie that? So, do you wake up thinking, you know, oh man, I got to go in and fix this jacked up organization? Or do you come to work knowing that most of your people are coming to work, the leaders, the workers, the whole team is probably coming to work, waking up, wanting to make a difference, wanting to do their jobs and do them well. And usually it's a lack of resources, it's poor communication. You know, things are just, again, disorganized, and there's a lack of order to those things that lead to getting people and things where they need to be and when they need to be. Or perhaps a lack of, again, the tools of positive discipline are not at the command, right? So training and education is lacking. Perhaps key leaders are not being good role models. Perhaps there's not a lot of coaching and mentoring going on, or lack of belief in those kind of things. And then perhaps people just aren't reinforcing and praising their teams with the frequency that they need to. So I think that's what you got to start with. Absolutely.
1: You know, it, I found some similarities between the military and uh, industries I coach in now. And it goes along with that good discipline and that good order it, in the management functions of training. Most people in the organizations I coach now equate seniority with time in the job. You know, you could have a tool pusher that's been uh, working in the, working on oil rigs for 40 years, and they're, they're looked to as the leader, but, you know, that individual could have the personality of, you know, the wall that's sitting right in front of me right now. You can't talk to, can't get anything out of them, can't, they don't lead, they don't mentor, they're just there, but they're looked to. As the example of what everybody has to do to be the, you know, the tool pusher is like one of the most senior person on a on a drilling rig, or it could be a a treater in in the hydraulic fracturing community. They're, they're the service supervisor for that unit, but they've just been there the longest, and that's why they, you know, attrition has put them in the position they are in. But no leadership ability has put them there. It's just attrition. They've been there the longest, so they're looked to as the leader. So. Everybody that's coming into the organization from, you know, the deck hand to whatever, they see that, well, that's what I got to be like to be in that position. And you've seen that in the, in the Navy. Look, you got the crusty old chief that's uh, always walking around and grumbly, but got a, you know, index finger in the crook for the coffee cup, but doesn't engage. But, oh, I got, that's what it takes to be a chief. There's a lot of correlations that, uh, that cross all industries that I've been blessed to find now. And uh, my experience in the Navy has definitely helped me out in the transition here. Because, I mean, most people know what right looks like, and it's just hard to get there, especially when you don't understand the culture. Going back to that, you got to
0: understand the cultures. All right, so let's wrap it up. Any last thoughts or advice or recommended resources are out there that people could uh, possibly use? Any? Well, of course, uh, reading
1: is – go back to that old cartoon when we were growing up. Reading is fundamental and how much that applies now later in life you have to read because if you don't expand your own knowledge base on what good is what order is and what discipline is it's going to be harder to be successful as a leader and a manager so find out research books that are good books from successful people try to emulate their behavior that's what i, I mean i'm trying to read at least a book a week now uh current one I'm reading right now is called The Secret, What Great Leaders Know And Do. And uh you could you can get more tools in your tool belt to help you maintain good order and discipline.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Alright, I think that'll wrap it up. So uh to summarize I'm like, hey, number one Do you know what good is and what it looks like? Is it a subjective thing to you or do you understand the standards at your organization or in your specific job skill set that determine good and are you able to meet those standards? Number two, do you know where the people and things that you have as a leader, where they need to be and are they where they need to be and when? Do you know the organizational routines you need to have? Do you know your broader organizational routines? And do you have organizational routines at your unit level, right? Whether that's at the division level, the shop level, the command level, what have you. Do you know those routines and are they in place and as effective and efficient as they could be? And then finally, I think on the discipline side. Obviously, knowing tools of punishment is great and all, but let's start with the positive discipline first, right? So how invested are you in training and educating your people to the standard, not just of conduct, but of order? How well are you performing as a role model? How well are you performing as a coach? And how well are you using tools like praise to reinforce when your teams are performing to the standards of order and frankly, warfighting readiness or whatever that piece is of mission objectives you're after? My guest today has been Retired Command Mass Chief and Leadership Consultant Larry Linton. Larry, thanks for taking some time today to join me on the Cutlass Podcast and help us reflect on this concept and its importance to uh, achieving efficiency and effectiveness in teams and organizations. Paul, thank
1: you for having me. It's, it's been great you know, maintaining contact with you over the years. Uh, your leadership and your mentorship has helped me in doing what I do, and I, I thank you for that as well. All right.
0: Good luck to you in your consulting, and uh, definitely looks forward to keeping in touch with you. All right. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we've discussed today or in any other episodes, check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or other resources that we've discussed today. If you want to provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at cutlassleadership@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe today to the Cutlass Podcast on your podcast channel and definitely like it, share it, and comment where you can so you can help me get this content out and about. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, and credible leader who makes a positive difference in your personal and professional life. We'll talk to you next time.